0: Take a time machine back to before the world went to hell. Around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad.
1: The movies, the music, the TV, the games. That's what I want to talk about.
0: Like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And continue the conversation on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're cool enough, join the show on Patreon for exclusive bonus content. And now... Less Than 2,000 with Adam
1: Wince and Chad Bischoff. Less Than 2,000, the podcast. Uh, hello? Why
0: don't you want to talk to me?
1: Who is this?
0: Tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Oh, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary
1: movie? Uh, I don't know.
0: You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind?
1: Um Halloween. <laughs> what shocks me. And this genuinely shocks me is I did not hate scream <laughs> I had never seen this before I had I, I am a I was ashamed never? of it I had never seen scream wow. all the way through and I had assumed you hadn't a, and and I was fully expecting to hate it and I was expecting this to be another um, cruel intentions type episode Really? Why did you feel
0: that you would I want to know before anything why did you feel that you would hate it? Cuz if you saw the trailer, mm.
1: that's it. Because I'm a born hater. And I was a hater even back then. Well, that's then. obvious. This came back this came out in 96 when I was 15 and I and I hated the popular stuff. And I hated, you know, this was the teen teen movies and I and I wasn't I just wasn't on board. I wasn't going to give it a chance. I also think I confused this a little bit with I know what you did last summer, which actually came out the following year, but they were all just one jumble in my mind, and and so I saw the I saw the people that were in this movie, and I'm not a big horror fan to begin with, so between no. those two things, I I I the 15 year old angsty Adam was not going to give this a chance, but I'm very glad that 42 year old Adam did give it a chance because I actually enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I. It's so good. It's good. It's so good.
0: It's yeah. good. I, so what's crazy about this is, see, I was a non-hater. I wasn't an angsty kid who hated everything. Remember, <laughs> I we had a girlfriend and everything. Yes. So I mean, watched Austin's I was streak. in love. You know, she's all that. Those kinds of movies. sensitive guy. You know, caring, <laughs> caring boy about to become a man. Beta boy. I, <laughs> I saw this movie in the theater. This movie stands out to me. Because I remember where I sat. Wow. And it was, it was, I was, I was there late. And so I was like four or five rows back in the far seat on, if you're facing the screen on the right side. And the reason why I remember that so vividly, staring up at that huge screen, way too close than any human should ever be to a screen, is because it is one of two of the most, Absolutely incredible experiences I've ever had in a movie theater in my entire life. Wow. And I go to the theater a lot. I have seen movies, I, I still go to the theater all the time. And this is one of the two best movies I've ever seen from an audience perspective to this day. Because after that opening scene, when Drew Barrymore gets the axe and the parents see her hanging from a tree gutted knife knife sorry what i say you said axe no well whatever he uses a knife knife. sorry he uses a knife sorry i meant (laughs) ax slashed up whatever see i'm not a horror guy no kidding when it cut to that title sequence the entire theater stood up and clapped and screamed and like was so into that movie The only other thing that I've ever been in that crazy of an environment was when I went and saw Half Baked and Cops had to check you in. So those two movies are the craziest screenings I've ever been at. You're kidding. I was going to ask you what was the other one. The other one was Half Baked for that reason? Half Baked. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and that one, I remember I was stuck in the way, way back, back, all the way back, first, second row from the back in like towards the the left side, a few rows in. And I just remember the energy in the theater for those two movies was absolutely insane because we were part of that generation as the exennial generation, the generation born, as we've talked about, you know, in that microcosm of analog and digital. These were new types of movies that hadn't been seen before. It was mixing comedy, cheese, and slash and all of these things together and people absolutely loved it all the way to the end when people
1: were cheering at the end because it was such a good movie that's that's awesome and i felt that when you're recounting that that's that's really awesome man i i thought okay so what i had seen in scream before was the opening scene. I had seen the Drew Barrymore scene before and I stopped. I watched it at home. I stopped at the point where you said everybody got up and screamed and clapped in the theater. That's where I checked out because I didn't get it. I didn't understand that this was a satire and not just a satire, but like a great slasher film in its own right, but self-referential uh, self-aware yep. satire and playing on all the tropes that Wes Craven, the director, had done in all of his other movies, like Freddy, correct, and, and Nightmare on Elm yep. Street. I mean, I mean, so I didn't, I didn't get that, and I also didn't get when I started it this time. I, I had notes that I deleted, but I'll tell you what they were. Is the <laughs> acting intentionally supposed to be bad? Is, it's pretty bad, and I believe so. I mean, I, I, I mean, absolutely it's Neb- believe Neb- it was supposed spit. to be bad. I <laughs> yeah. absolutely believe it was intentionally bad because that is playing on the tropes of the cheesy slasher Correct. films of the 70s and stuff and the low yeah. budget. And, and we have to keep in mind, everybody probably knows this, except me at 15 years old and until a couple days ago, the context of when this came out, you know, Halloween made slasher films a thing in the late 70s. And then the 80s, they just started pumping these out. And there were some great ones. I mean, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Hellraiser. These all these were good films, but it got way oversaturated. And then they made so many of yeah. them because they were so low budget. You didn't need a name actor. The effects were cheap, low production values, and it got oversaturated. So by 1996, Nobody wanted to see a horror film anymore. Like frighteners came out and bombed. You know, uh, it it just was not a thing in the early '90s. It was we did not grow up on contemporary slasher films because they were. And by the '80s, everything had
0: turned. Everything had turned. How gross
1: can we make it?
0: How much blood can we do? How much? Everything was about the violence. So like this. You're right. By the early 90s, there was virtually nothing. I can't remember really anything that really came out of note during that time. Mm -hmm. And this sort of rebirthed it. It totally But it rebirthed it because it made fun of it for all of our generation minus you (laughs) to like come together. (laughs) Yes. And and like it was so bad that it was so good. And then all the way through the end on that and even even keeping you – You know, even keeping you guessing while giving you the cheesy
1: tropes and giving you a comedy. I I will say we are going to get into spoilers, but... I don't want to spoil spoil the big big reveal. The final twist, I don't want to spoil that for people who maybe like me and haven't seen this movie from almost 30 years ago because it surprised me. It ca- I was not expecting it. I was expecting something to happen with those characters, not that. Yeah. And I exactly. was and I thought that was a great twist and not at all what I ex- envisioned Ghostface to be so, so we're going to, we're going to keep the big reveal secret and really we can kind of talk about the rest of the movie without really spoiling anything because guess what? A lot of people die in these films, a big deal. Um, But yeah, Yeah. I want to just keep that big spoiler. Suffice to say, all we need to say about it is it surprised me and I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I remember being surprised at, at that age
0: when I first watched in the theater was not seeing it coming at all. And and I think that's what made that's what solidified the original scream movie into being the movie that people were like telling their friends. No, you don't understand. You got to go see it. Yeah, it looks campy, it looks this, it looks No, no, no. Go see it. You know, because I had no friends it, that told me that. I'm going to let you ponder that. <laughs> um <laughs> you know, it it because it gave you the best of all worlds. That's what I'm going to say. I'm not trying to just geek out geek out on it, but it it it
1: did give you those things. Well, I know why you, you one of the reasons you probably enjoyed it so much. It was created by Kevin Williamson, the creator of Dawson's Creek. He came up with <laughs> Scream and sense. he wrote like a trilogy <laughs> yeah. before he even sold the first script. He was like he knew this was going to be big and and he so the Dawson's Creek guy came up with this and then they found Wes I mean, Craven.
0: Yeah, I mean it did just just to be it did get into a major bidding
1: war. Yeah. I mean everybody wanted this script. Yeah. And he played hardball and it, it no bids the first weekend, then it got into a bidding war and then he sold it for 400,000 with sequels and he got to do another thing, I don't know what it was, but he was like I and a non-screamer. So he did a four four movie deal with A rough outline of what was called at the time, Scary Movie. And they went with the title, Scary Movie, until the very, very close to the very end, when the Weinsteins... Dun, dun, dun. We need, like, a sound effect every time we bring them up. Boom Boom. Do we have a boo sound effect? (laughs) Do we have a boo? Every time we bring up the Weinsteins, we got to like boo them publicly, but they changed it from Scary Movie and Wes Craven and and Kevin Williamson didn't want the name to change, but it was absolutely the right thing because Scream is such an iconic name for a new IP and... It gave us Scary Movie, which is a much better (laughs) parody. Like, I feel like I've seen some Scream because I've seen (laughs) Scary Movie and Scary Movie. Scary Movie. (laughs) And that's what, yes, that's what made it so good. We got the best of both
0: worlds because they wouldn't have come up with Scream after, you know, Scream would have been Scary Movie. Scary Movie wouldn't have gone, I know, we'll call it Scream. You know that wouldn't have played it wouldn't out. Have scary movie—the fact the perfect that title. scary movie had been shopped around as a title—you yeah. know they were just like, "We're taking this." <laughs> it was in all the trades. I mean, it was—it would have been publicized as scary movie all the way to the yeah. end. And then the Wane so brothers come. So insiders were like, "Yeah, we're
1: taking scary movie and making it our <laughs> own." Oh man, that was and and, and uh, I, I I heard somebody say that Wes Craven saved the. Horror genre twice because after Halloween in the late seventies and early eighties, it's it it had a peak and then it dipped again and then Nightmare on Elm Street comes out in eighty four with Wes Craven and that revives the the slasher genre for the first time in the early to mid eighties. <laughs> yep. Then it dies again and then he completely revived it. In the 90s was Scream, and that led to Saw and Touristas and The Hills Have Eyes and all that crazy torture porn that you like so much. I hate all that. <laughs> what are you talking
0: about? <laughs> I'm the most anti-horror guy, like, I think. <laughs> I mean, I'm not anti-horror. I'm thriller. Suspense. I like psychological stuff. I don't like slasher mm-hmm. stuff, you know? What's crazy is that, that, you know, Wes Craven only came on you know, later. I mean, other other big directors had turned it down because they didn't want to do horror this or that. But it really wasn't until Drew Barrymore agreed to do the film that that West was like, "It's not beneath me. I'll take it." <laughs> <laughs> you know. And she, but I love how that's just one scene, and they used that to market the entire film. It's really you were brilliant. expecting, and because we hadn't seen this before, mm-hmm. it was a bait and switch. Yep. But it became an acceptable bait and switch. You don't normally wanna bait your audience and then switch it up and then give them an entirely different movie, which is what this did, but that hadn't really been done much before. And since it was a horror film, killing off the famous person in the first scene, brilliant. Brilliant. Nobody's Nobody has, nobody can, has the kahunas to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like You took the star of the movie and killed her off in the beginning in the first scene. The biggest name now,
1: attached to the project. Probably for budget. <laughs> dead in about actually she was cast to be the main character that went to Nev, Nev Campbell. She was supposed oh. to be the main character. And then I read somewhere she had a scheduling conflict. And then I also read that she wanted a smaller part or they decided she'd be more effective. And I would argue that her 10 minutes and getting killed off is a way better use of her than as way better carrying this movie. Like no and she's a she's a phenomenal actress but like but she intentionally played it, cheesy and I didn't think she was good I'm watching this scene and I'm like Drew Barrymore is way better than this what's going on is this how the whole movie's going to be I'm not into this but I had to watch the whole thing to wrap my head around like that was on purpose that was by design to play on the tropes of the cheesy acting of the 70s and 80s horror films and she did it perfectly when I reflect back on it yeah. And it also no, hurt my 100%. soul to see her get killed, too. Like, it was really, really violent. Way more violent than I thought it would have been. I didn't expect Here's- it to be so gory. And to see her gutted and hanging from a tree, like, I was not ready for that. I thought this would be a, more like a PG-13 thing. I really did. So oh. imagine my surprise Boo. when it was that violent.
0: Boo! <laughs> the, final, the final thing that almost would have killed this thing is that it was given an NC-17 rating. And even though Craven didn't want to fix anything, the studio resubmitted it to the MPA
1: nine times before they accepted it. And the best part <laughs> is he lied. Wes Craven, so they, the last problem they had was with her being gutted and everything. And they needed to tone that down. He lied to their face and said, I can't do another cut because I only shot one take and they bought it. And that's, and so he didn't even <laughs> recut it. They just lied to him. Yeah. Uh, earning $173 million worldwide, becoming the highest grossing slasher film until Halloween 2018, remains the highest grossing slasher film in adjusted dollars. This is the biggest wow. slasher film ever made, basically. And it almost didn't happen. I mean, it's crazy how this came together. From, me- on, from many different points of angles. Like... That's, what, that's
0: what's so mind-blowing is, I mean, it, yes, you can have things that go wrong. And yes, some films work. Some, this was just such a weird flow. I mean, it didn't have like the catastrophic things like ships sinking in the ocean and then, you know, or sharks not working at all and having to like shoot without jaws. But, you know, it, these are the things that are great when they come together. And it was the right time because the genre was dead. Nobody was really interested in the genre it wasn't working our generation wasn't Mm-mm. and so i think that's why the energy was so great because we had never seen a massive a massive star get gutted in a first scene yeah. and 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 a movie that was then simultaneously making fun of all the other movie genres That's the key. and then the fact that it was made by Wes Craven himself who poked fond at his own genre, but then brought it back full circle to shock. Even, even you, Adam, the lawyer of the group, the brain of the group, the jaded, was, comp- was still, uh, I uh, was like, I had no idea.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's hard to do. That's pretty wild. Yeah. And I think the key is that it's a, it's a self-referential parody. Like it, there's no way just a regular slasher film in 1996 would have worked with the same cast, same story, same basic plot points. Doesn't work without the references to I mean, you've got characters in the film at the video store at the party saying this is what happens next in the film. Don't say yeah. I'll be right back. Don't do this. Yeah. Don't do that because that don't don't have sex because you know yeah. virginity is like a superpower defense. <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> that's yeah sex sex means you're killed in the very next scene
0: don't do it they
1: show yeah, like, freddy krueger as the janitor and he dressed up yeah. and, and that's wes craven making a cameo yep. and with heavy her um, henry winkler you know the Fonz as the president or as the principal <laughs> like i loved it i i i love those references oh why does david arquette the low-level deputy has apparently has a database to all the hotels he's like he's like <laughs> he hasn't checked in to that hotel why would he have it why no police anywhere have a database where you could tell if somebody checked um, into a hotel uh, uh, uh,
0: chad just <laughs> checked into the hilton
1: chad just <laughs> checked into the Hilton. <laughs> what no (laughs) i i I know one of the reasons i didn't like this movie back in the day and didn't want to see it i didn't like david arquette back then here's here's a a major way that i've changed i like david arquette now and I respect. I, I thought he was hilarious in this film. I thought he was perfect for it. He was supposed to be... This this uh, officer was supposed to be bulkier and a more traditional tough guy, but he was like, this guy's perfect. He's this wimpy little pipsqueak with the mustache, looks ridiculous on the hat. He brings a different type of energy. Again, a nice little happy accident that makes the movie better for it. He's great in his flirtation yeah. with Courtney Cox. was so good at it that he ended up marrying her. And, um... I really respect David Arquette. How I came around to him was the the, the documentary, You Cannot Kill David Arquette. And because he, <laughs> he, he was a wrestler in WCW, he won the title. It was a big, terrible thing. He donated all of his money to wrestling widows. But then he got so much hate for, for being a wrestler and winning the title in WCW that years later, he went back to the indie circuit and actually learned how to become a pro wrestler and did like blood matches and flips and real hardcore fights with chairs and stuff. I respect David Arquette. See, now I know that makes sense. Why you now like it. <laughs>
0: the wrestling thing. Yeah. Every time you end up bringing up wrestling, it's like, Oh, all of a sudden, David Arquette's a great American actor. <laughs> he was in wrestling. <laughs> well, by that logic, why don't you like The Rock? Why aren't you like clamoring to go see uh, Dwayne <laughs> Johnson movies? You know, did you go see Black Adam? It's got a wrestler and your name in it.
1: I, th- oh, I think we just found some content to pull for a Oh, that's going to be a great little minute to use to promote because that was one of the funniest inter- exchanges we've ever had. You know me so well, Chad. He was he was in wrestling. Thirty plus years does that? To you. <laughs> hey, if I don't know you in thirty plus years, we have no hope. Dawson's Creek <laughs> wrestling. We see that dynamic play out again, yet again. Yes. <laughs> I also love Nev Campbell. I I loved Party of Five. That was my teenage drama. Party of Five with Jennifer oh, Love Hewitt and 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 uh, what's his name Bailey. Who everybody said in college I looked like, and uh, Michael Fox or is. the the Fox guy, not Michael Fox, but the other Party of Five was awesome. I never watched. I never watched the show, but I do know Jennifer Love Hewitt, Nev Campbell. I if I had to make a list of like my top five '90s girls, I would put her above Tiffany Amber Theson. That's how much I like her.
0: Nev Campbell, yes,
1: and she's got she's got that look to her where when she was like 20, she looked like she was 35. Now that she's almost 50, she looks like she's 30 or 35. Like she just has one of those faces that like has always been the same age. I think she's a really good actress. And I think because she was more of an unknown at the time, that character worked way better than um, Drew Barrymore would have. Oh no, I I
0: think the right thing happened. Absolutely not because of Drew Barrymore's acting abilities, but again, I think it became, again, it's a happy accident. Something clearly made her go, I don't think this is for me, and take a smaller role. And just in doing that, the you know cinema gods rained down upon us and gave us something that worked far better because it wouldn't have been the biggest actor of the movie getting killed in the first scene. That wasn't something you write into a script. That was something that ended up being a happy accident that I think drew drove the marketing campaign and kind of ushered in this new concept of like, yeah, the hero doesn't always have to live. The most famous person doesn't have
1: to live. Right. And if you refer to those two, if Nev Campbell is the girl in the opening scene doesn't have any, it doesn't have the same impact whatsoever. It's a much weaker film uh, with, with a yeah. relative unknown, even though she was on party of five at the time, but I mean, I mean, she was
0: known, but she wasn't Drew Barrymore. No. Now. She was TV known. Yeah, Drew Bar- Barrymore was has famous been doing since the movies 80s. forever. Yeah. I and mean, she's, yeah, it's it's Drew Barrymore. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think, I thought Courtney Cox was great. I mean, she, when she came on to, when, when she came onto the screen, I gotta say, not to knock anybody's acting, because I thought everybody was great, but when she was on the screen, I'm like, she's a pro. Like, Courtney Cox is the ace actress. Yes. <laughs> like she made other people seem like amateurs by comparison. Like not that they were bad, no. but she I was like, she was a little older, but she just, she was so good. She was so good. It was like, she's just in a different league than everybody else.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, she had a little more experience. Yep. You know, she had a little more, she had a little more time to develop her acting chops, but it, it's not just that. I think, I think she had been playing that typecast role for so long that by the time she got into this, she was like, I get to do something different. She clearly wanted it. She fought for it, like you said. She kept getting turned down for it, kept fighting for it, and and then literally became one of the best parts of the whole movie because she was literally in a wheelhouse that excited her so much and
1: was out out of the comfort zone that it, it really shone through. It was against type and, and her character is one of the things that makes this movie work. Not only is it a parody about everything, I liked her character as being sort of a meta commentary on sensationalized television tabloid news. And, and, and she wrote the book and she's one of those, she starts the film as a leech that sucks off human tragedy and gets punched in the face by Nev Campbell, uh, because she wrote a book about how the guy didn't murder his, you know, her, her mom. And, and, uh, so and she's aware of that and she she even references that at some point. Um and then th- the fact that she's the hero, I was kind of waiting for the male character to get up and grab the gun and save the day. It, spoiler alert, it was not. This is a kind of a female empowerment type film because the women save each other and it's uh, And I think it was from I think it was from top to bottom. I don't think it was it's
0: not just to save the day. If you look at the piece from an entire standpoint, it's very very women-centric. But, but you go from what you think is victim to then other stuff, you know like it 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 really brings things around.
1: Rose McGowan as a blonde with pigtails? Yes. That's all I'm going to say. I don't uh, talk about looks on this show. Um uh the Her boyfriend, Nev Campbell's boyfriend, I forget the character's name, the guy who looks like Johnny Depp, um, who was intentionally cast because he did look like a young Johnny Depp who was in Nightmare on Elm Street. So very nice choice there. He, um, what an awful person. He pressures her into <laughs> having sex over her murdered mother, the anniversary of the murder of her rape and murder of mother. And she's like, you know, I've been dealing with this for like a year now, and I'm not getting nothing off you. Like totally pressuring her. When they finally have sex. It is the most cringe and awkward and uncomfortable circumstances oh, yeah. behind that. I'm like, please, oh, yeah. God, no. Like, don't now. This is the anniversary of your mother's death. And you're... I, don't I do it. No. Don't, do, don't it. do it. You're in a horror <laughs> movie. Really cringe. I did not like that. circumstance. Well, no,
0: I didn't either. But I think that was also part of the point. Yeah. Did you notice how after school special it was? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even know what I'm doing here, man. <laughs> Like, it's very, like, it was so after-school special. And it was intentional. I thought they were playing into more tropes, more, yes, like, more cheese. Definitely. So, like, even though he was such a moron, like, I, I felt like they were playing into that. So I almost didn't hate it because it was just so cringy. I felt like it was on
1: purpose. Now that I know what the twist is, I need to go back and rewatch that. You almost need to go back and rewatch it within <laughs> yeah. the context of that scene, because that was yeah. uh, that was. I think the most the most interesting death in it was Rose McGowan. Like she, that was the creepiest, and, and, and I it hurt me to see that happen to her. But like that was the most inventive of the murders, I think that oh, we yeah. saw. Yeah. Rose McGowan is a blonde with pigtails. Like, I keep going back to that. That's my argument. Here's a line that I had to write down verbatim because it's so 90s and I cannot believe they said it. Rose McGowan said this. You can only hear the Richard Gere gerbil story so many times before you start to believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Gear. So- <laughs> I, I think
0: I think we just have to play our outro music today <laughs>